Hello, everyone. Welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. I'm Tom. You do not sound any better. <laughs> we, we, it's been a day. Um, mm-hmm. And no, I, I still feel the same. But yeah. you know what? It's okay. We're going to get through this. Okay. You, you might just have to talk more than me. Well, and okay. we'll go from there. I talk a lot anyway. You do. I seem to. So anyway. back to listener questions. You so, just yeah, want to dive right if, back uh, into it yeah, or you want to have uh, chit chat first? I'll do a, a quick recap. Uh, so nothing has happened since yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I slept. <laughs> you did some sleeping and uh, yeah, me too. But yeah, uh, aside yeah. from that, we didn't go to the field or anything like that. So there's really nothing interesting on that front to say. Um, and if you listened to last episode, we were in the middle of uh, listener questions, and mm-hmm. we're going to continue that theme today. Yes. Tonight. To this episode. This time. Yes. That we are recording. Yeah. So once again, uh, same thing I said at the beginning of last episode. Um, if you've asked, if we read your question, and you've asked it some time ago, I apologize for that it's taken us so long to do that. To, to, to get back to you, but uh, we've been, you know, for the reasons we went to bi-weekly, uh, we've been busy. So, now, are we going back to weekly sometime? Yeah, the plan, I believe, right? When the when the flying season is over and fall is upon us, late fall, maybe early winter. I was going to say, let's aim for early <laughs> winter, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to, our goal is to is to go back to weekly episodes. I did, I like, I did like the weekly I do episode. too. Well, and this sounds cheesy, but I like the weekly sort of check-in, you know, with with my friend. You know what I mean? Like I said, it yeah, sounds I'm cheesy. I'm sorry, but, but for some reason when you said that, I was like, who is he talking about? <laughs> you meant me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the brightest crayon in the box at all times. It's okay. Uh, okay. All right, then. So I'm but just, yes, I, I do agree with that. It's you know nice. When, so, with two weeks, it seems like we go too long sometimes without yeah. checking in hey, and talking you to do? each well, other. Well, let's so. see. Was that two weeks ago or last week? I can't. Yeah. So yeah. weekly, then it's harder for you to sneak surprises in on me. All right. So I'll just jump what right. surprises? I want surprises now. Well, you know, sometimes you, oh, if you have two weeks to do stuff, you'll do something with the laser or whatever. Yeah. Or you do something cool and don't tell me about it. And then it's like a surprise when I get her. I'm not a big su- fan of surprises. Really? You don't no. like that? Well, I mean, I, you do, but I don't you don't hate it. But oh, okay. I like, you know, I like it when you tell me stuff you're doing. I don't like to be surprised by it. Okay. I'd well, I'm doing nothing now. usually you're excited about it. I am. When you're doing it. I am. And the excitement has waned a little bit by the time I actually see the surprise. And you're like, oh yeah, hey, by the way, I did this. But sometimes the excitement is built by not telling you. Oh, I see. So okay. that I actually push myself I to get gotcha. it done before you come out again. Oh, and that okay. was mostly with the duelist stuff. Well, by that like rationale, I wouldn't tell you that I, I built that. like three wings. Three and wings. it's just like, hey, look at all this. It's a triplane. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> a good idea, maybe. Now, so, what would if it a, if a duelist is a duelist? You know, because it's the play on words. You know, a duelist and also duel. Mm-hmm. What would a try? How, how would you? Oh, is that what it, the, a play on words for dueling? Yeah, I guess I never thought of that. Right. I just figured it was duelist too, because you know, of the wing or the engines. No. Well, it it is, but it isn't. Oh, it's dual engines, but it it's dual a dueling anyway. type airplane. Okay. Would that be a a triplist duelist? It doesn't matter. Let's 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 move on. All right, so moving on. Moving on. So back into listener questions. I'll I'll take this one since you're not feeling a hundred percent. All right, this comes to us from uh, Craig Straub. Hope I got that right. It says, uh, first, I want to say I enjoy your podcast very much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm having a problem that I just cannot seem to figure out. I bought a fully assembled top flight AT6 ARF 
airframe only uh, from one of our club members. Uh, this plane has never been flown. The problem I'm having is setting up the mechanical retracts on it. Those can be a challenge. Uh -huh. uh, this is my first time with mechanical retracts. No matter what I do, I cannot seem to get them to extend fully to the locked down position, and the left gear doesn't fully lock in the retracted position. Uh, I bought a retract servo. Okay, that was going to be my first question. Uh, it is a Spectrum 7040 HV aircraft retract servo, uh, and this servo is proportional, so I can adjust the endpoints in my radio, and even with the endpoints pretty much maxed out, I still cannot solve this. Uh, any help you guys can offer would be much appreciated. Keep up the great work on the show. Craig. Let me take this one before you delve deep into why I might not be right. <laughs> okay. It sounds to me that there's just not enough throw. I would agree. Like he needs longer control horns. Yep. It sounds, yeah, that's that. Uh, so he, we've got the, he's got the proper retract servo. And the difference between a retract servo and a standard servo is the number of available degrees of rotation that you can use. So a standard servo, I think, is what, 120 degrees, 60 think, degrees either, yeah, I think so. either side of center. Don't quote me on it because yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's wrong. what it is. But a retract servo is 180, mm -hmm. so 90 degrees either side of center. Uh, so he's got, the, he's got the correct servo. Um, so, yeah, my, my first guess would be throw, and it sounds to me like he needs more of it. And to get that, I'm assuming the mechanical retracts have the plunger type uh, actuating mechanism, you know, it's a it's a rod with a connection on the end of it for a clevis, and it either pushes in or pulls out, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what uh, raises and lowers it, right? So there's no way and locks it exactly, and there's no way really to um, gain any travel at that end of the connection. So the only option to get more travel is a longer servo arm. In this case, trying to get that connection point at the servo farther away from the servo horn screw. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So either a longer horn or if you've got another extra, you know, another set of holes uh, to use, um, move it out, you know, move it away from the center of the servo if you can. Uh, that, I think, will probably uh, get you going in the right direction. A uh, couple of things I will say, just based on my experience with mechanical retracts, they are a pain. <laughs> uh, no question. Yeah. Um, and drag is the enemy. So any kind of rubbing like you want to make sure that those rods are not rubbing anything um if you're using no them, resistance yeah if you're using them in a like if it's a plastic rod inside a t uh, housing and there's a bend in it or you know you have to snake it around a rib or yeah. something like that make sure that bend is as smooth as possible so that there's as minimum as minimal resistance <laughs> as possible yeah um would you ever oil the inside of that at all no, there shouldn't be a need to. Um, okay. I've never, I've never done that. Um, I feel like adding lubricant is sort of applying a band aid. You're not really fixing the the real problem. Um, and he says that uh, one gear, uh, it doesn't. Uh, neither one of them will lock in the down position, and his left gear doesn't fully lock in the retracted position either. So that tells me that. Oh, that tells me that there's something wonky to use one of your words, Wonky. Uh, going on with the uh, geometry of the linkage. So, so oh, oh, I want to make sure I'm on the same page then. And I, I didn't get it until right now. So that's probably a single servo doing both retracts. Yeah. It, it's so, kind of, maybe? I think so. 
Okay. Uh, I'm familiar with the airplane he's talking about, the top flight AT6, and it is a single servo oh. uh, mounted right there. Well, the I'm not. So but yeah, that's, that's good fine. to know. Um, but yeah, mechanical retracts can be tricky. You just have to make sure that the geometry matches from left to right. So, so then, if it's if if we're talking, correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know this. I'm just trying to picture it now in my mind. Mm-hmm. If we're talking one that works and one that doesn't, one that half works and one that doesn't work at all. Hold on, what? Yeah. He's got one that will lock up but not down, and he has one that will neither lock up or down, if I'm reading this correctly. Let's see. Cannot get them to extend full. So neither one extend fully to the locked down position, and the left gear doesn't fully lock in the retracted position. So that would just be like length of push rods, though. Right, you think? Yes, so, uh, okay. Length of pushrod would fix one issue, but how, may not fix the other. How does this work then? Because if you're talking, okay, we're going to talk this. We're going to talk okay. this one out because okay. I'm trying to figure this out too. So, if you have a retract on each wing, mm-hmm. you're going to have your servo right in the middle, preferably right directly in line between center between the two gear. Okay, and that's so, how the top flight kit is designed, where that servo mounts. That's exactly where it's mounted. How, and it's a 180-degree servo. Yes. So how do you not get the... Okay, so is it's... Whew, how am I going to describe this one without messing it up? My question is, mm-hmm. when they're both out, okay? Mm-hmm. So you have... A, let's just say it's a, a circle that you're working on, on the, the servo horn, okay? Mm-hmm. When you have the... Uh, the connection farthest apart, mm-hmm. and then you twist that 180 degrees, mm-hmm. how do you not get those to touch each other? So, did uh, I explain that well enough? I understand. I, I knew where you were going with that. Can you clarify in case other people don't? So, what Ron is talking about, I'm trying so to talk about, <laughs> if you imagine a straight line, okay, now put two points on that straight line, right? Mm-hmm. Now, cut that line off a quarter inch away from either one of those two points, right? So now you've got a straight line, you've got two points on it, and then after that two points, you have another quarter of an inch of that straight line. Let's imagine that straight line is a piece of wire, okay, if that makes the image right. If you rotate that 180 degrees, those two points are in the exact same place. How are we not going to get our control horns or our rods, how are we going to keep them from binding? From touching each other, like from hitting each other when it spins. And the way to do that is I, I call it an S-bend, but it's not really an S. It's really more just of a, a kind of an arc. And it looks... Oh, don't draw it. You got to explain I know. it. I'm going to, but it looks like that. What and then I each, can't see a thing that you just drew. Okay. Sorry. Well, anyway, so it's basically a half loop, right? So you take... You take and, and the way I do it is I take a pair of needle nose pliers, and this is one of those rare occasions where I use easy connectors. chastise me if you want to cue the dramatic music (laughs) but um and i'll explain why here in a second well number one it's ease of of uh getting easy set up but right um but anyway but because they also pivot on the control horn a little bit differently without having that piece of wire on the backside to potentially interfere with something else okay so if you have a kind of a hook shaped bend in the push rod where it goes into that easy connector and then you have an opposing one on the other side 
then you rotate that 180 degrees, they don't interfere with each other. But Does I thought, that make sense? I think so. So instead of having it come out in line, Straight. it's going to come out 90 degrees well, to where it is. It doesn't have to be 90. Whatever whatever you can get away with 45 to keep the degrees, two maybe. from... from contacting each other at that 180 degree travel point. And that's okay to do though, because you said that it needs to to be as straight as possible. As straight as possible. And the key is as frictionless as possible. Therefore, no binding. And And the control rods themselves have to be supported. It's hard to support a control rod without also getting some degree of binding. So it's a lot of trial and error. Now, in this case, on the top flight ET6 kit, I know for a fact, at least in the instruction manual I had back in the day, it actually had a diagram bend the wire in this shape. Oh. And okay. pretty much laid it out for you if you bought their retracts and, and all that stuff. But anyway, so the geometry has to be the same. So the bends in those rods have to be identical, right? Otherwise, if you have one bent, you know, kind of one way and one another way, the travel is going to be different. Even though they might reach the same end point, you know, at the same... Like one end point might be the same, but the other end point wouldn't? Exactly. Is that what you're saying? Okay. So up might be all the way up, but down might be a little off on one. Exactly. Oh, that's hard. So it takes a lot of trial and error. And that's... And if you remember when we talked in the gear episode, I think it was, that's why I put the mechanical ones as like my number three, you know, even though I've had success using them and I feel like I could probably have success using them. That's why I not, I chose not to use them on the duelist because I went with the pneumatic, the easy, which easier was ones. easier yeah. to set up. Yeah. Okay. Well, Craig, so anyway, if, if hopefully that, that doesn't helps. answer your question or doesn't help much, yeah. send us a picture. Yeah, yeah. Pictures that, that will... always help. Um, and if you haven't, uh, if you haven't sorted it out by now, um, yeah, send send Ron or me uh, a picture of what you're talking about, and then I'll try to dive a little deeper. I think you understand now, kind of what I'm talking. I kind of do. Yeah, I've never set yeah. one up before, and then also but I understand now. Here's another mean. thing: maybe um, make sure that your servo is not rotated 180 degrees in the mount that uh, Top Flight provides for you in the wing. Because the, the the so if it's facing the right way, you mean so you want the the servo horn to be yeah, either the, the top or the bottom, really not backwards. Ideally, you want the output shaft of the servo to be in line with the two actuator rods of the of the gear. Okay, I can see sense. that. If it's not, then you're going to be off geometry wise, and you might get yeah, pulls different exactly. different Thank lanes. You. Okay, perfect. Yep, that's another good thing. To so look there at. you go, Craig. Uh, hopefully that helps. And if not, uh, let us know. Send us pictures. All right. Let's All right. move on. Okay. All right. So here we go. Here's here's next. This one comes to us from Adam Bashara or Bashara. Bishara. I don't know. Um, I, I look at Bishara. it and I say, I say Bashara. So from Adam. Yes. Thanks, Adam, <laughs> for writing in. He says, uh, hey, guys, uh, would you be able to talk about using a watt meter? I recently purchased a watt meter to try to make sure my propeller choices wouldn't melt anything. Uh, but after listening to the electric motor episode again, it made me think there are other uses. Uh, I also don't really know what all the different numbers mean. I see the amps and assume I'm good if that number is lower than what's written on the ESC. Some of my planes run on three cell or four cell, like the turbo timber. 
Should I be changing the prop if I switch between battery sizes? And how would I test that with a wattmeter? That's actually a really good question. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure there are other and better uses for a wattmeter, and I'm uh, betting I'm not the only one with these questions. Uh, thanks for all you do. Uh, thanks again, Adam Bashara. Hey, Adam, thanks for writing in. That's a great question. It is. Um, I'll first off say that there's really not a lot of other uses for a wattmeter. I mean, it's it's a a tool that does its job well, mm -hmm. and it's a tool that you need in order to do that job, but it's just kind of specialized, I think, yeah. to do what so, it does. So I will say that, uh, so if you go back and listen, you know, to the, to the motor episode, especially, um, the one that you put together, really. The one that we did. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, uh, if you go back and listen to that and, and do the math, the watt meter is really only kind of verifying. It's not really a tool that I would well, say you would use to, um, design maybe a setup because correct. if you've chosen the correct components with the correct numbers and the number the math adds up correctly then a watt meter could be just used as to, to verify as a, yeah trust, trust but verify. verify exactly right um so yes but i will say that if this is a plane like he said a turbo timber or mm -hmm. i think that's what he said turbo right? timber um yeah. That plane obviously has been built already by a company that has right. done the hard stuff for you. Yeah. So if you are using propellers that they suggest, if you're using the battery that they suggest, you should be fine, no problem. Fine you don't have to dandy. worry about it. Yep. Um, I agree. But if you are trying to do something on your own or you're not sure exactly what you want to do, um, the, the watt meter is, it's, I think, the best tool to tell whether or not you're pulling too many amps through your system. Okay. I mean, I, I can't think of anything else that really will do what it, like, yeah. like I said, it's designed well, it's, for a specific purpose right. and it's it fills that purpose well. It's designed to test well. high current. Right. So like, it, it's not something you'd want to test maybe on your radio system, like if my servos are drawing too much. There's other testers for that. Yeah. Um, a watt meter, yeah, I would say is pretty much just for testing what we're talking about here. Yeah, and it's just for electric airplanes. Yeah. I mean, you don't need them at all for nitro or gas. Right. Um, and so the other thing with that, too, you can also use it to tell you how much power in watts that your system is generating. So you can kind of use that to, you know, not only make sure you're not pulling too many amps through to melt things, which is a good thing to do, yeah. but it will also confirm, like, wattage per pound to suit whatever style of flying you want. Um, if you remember, we talked about that way back, way back when, I don't remember what the wattage per pounds were, but, um, what was it? I think it was 80 Watts per pound for trainer. Gosh, I don't remember. Yeah. I think 80 Watts per pound for trainer. And then it went to hundred Watts for sport type. Okay. That sounds right. There's, I don't remember. There was something after that. And then 3D planes were 200 watts per pound, and EDF, I think, were up yeah, to 300. Yeah, the EDFs were up there, yeah. They, they take a lot. Yeah. Um, so it will kind of tell you what wattage it pulls also. Right. Um, so let's let's go through this for a minute. If you're working on an airplane without a manual, mm -hmm. I wouldn't worry about changing out props between a 3 and a 3-cell and a 4-cell. Would you? No, not, not really, um, because let, let's think about that. I mean, we're adding... So from, from going to a three cell to a four cell, we're adding roughly four volts, roughly. Okay. Less than that. But yeah, 3.7 nominally. But. Right. Um, the extra RPM you're going to get out of those 
3.7 nominal volts, it's probably not going to be enough to to hurt anything, really. Uh, that's where I might, I actually might take issue with that. Really? So when you throw a higher voltage at something, then your amp draw drops because we know amps, oh, you know, how all that's that works. That's right, it does. However, what you have to take into consideration is you're not just throwing more amps at it, you're actually throwing... I'm sorry, you're not just throwing more voltage at it to where it's running at the same speed at that voltage. You're getting more speed out of it. So I would still check both batteries, okay. 3S and 4S, to make sure it's right. But I would not, or, you know, to make sure it's not pulling too much. But yeah. I would not, I definitely would not be changing every time to kind of keep it close. Okay. I got you. Yeah. So does that. Makes that. sense. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. That'd be a yeah. good use for the watt meter. Yeah. Um, so if he has one, which he says he does... Uh, that I, you can check it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, I would check each one, but I wouldn't worry about changing it. Hmm. Um, I don't know which one he has, but the one that yeah, he I have. He doesn't really say specifically which uh, which one he has. Uh, uh, watt meter, that is. Yeah. So I have the, the what's called the Watts Up watt meter. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're, you probably, you are, I'm sure I've familiar you, with I've that. I've heard you mention it. Yeah. Um, and that goes back, I don't even know if you can get them anymore. That goes back eight or 10 years when I first did it or when I first got stuff, but mm -hmm. when you hook these up, they get hooked up between the battery and your load. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that like where you unplug the battery from the airplane is where this thing goes. Right. So you plug it into your uh, uh, battery and then it gets plugged mm -hmm. into your ESC. Mm -hmm. um, and really like I, it tells you other things, but I don't worry about it. I just worry about the amps. It's a quick check just to make sure at full throttle I'm not pulling too many amps with the system because you can melt it, mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to do that. So once you know that you're under there, pretty much I'm done. Like, I, I don't do too much. Um, Have you done any, like, I know it's maybe a little deeper than, than he wanted to go, but have you done any testing at all yourself, like, what pitch does, I mean, obviously it's going to increase the amp draw, but is, is there a correlation to like, okay, going from a, a 10 by six to a 10 by seven, how many more amps is that one inch of pitch actually worth? Yeah. I don't know oh, okay. exact I, numbers, but it's yeah. the same thing. Like with, with nitro, if, if you're getting to, you know, you know what size you want to go with, mm -hmm. you can go up and down and then change the pitch. Right. So it's the same, you know, okay. go up an inch, lose an inch of pitch oh, okay. kind of thing. Right. Same same for that, for overall draw, uh, roughly. Um, it's interesting. Another, yeah, another thing you can do with it, like I said, is, is the, the watts to find out where you're flying. But you can see the voltage of your pack. Um, you can also see, like, how much the voltage drops when you go full throttle. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I really don't follow much with that either. Oh, okay. Um, it's not... It doesn't really tell me anything that I'm interested in. Like, if you want to get into the weeds and get deeper into it, you can get more information out of it. But it's not something that I necessarily, I don't want to say care about, but it's not something that I worry about. Um, also, when you're checking things, like readings on the ground are going to be a little bit higher than when you're flying because mm -hmm. it's... It unloads in the it air. It unloads in the air. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, what else? Um, oh, the other thing it shows is the amp hours like how many amp hours it has used during the session that is plugged in. Oh. So you can kind of use that to get a rough idea of flight time. Yeah. If you want to. Once again, I don't 
figure flight time that way. For me to figure flight times, I actually fly the airplane mm -hmm. for a set amount of time right. and, and then, then pay attention it. to how many milliamp hours yeah. I put back into it when that's I charge it. That's how I it. do it too. Um, yeah, I, and that's that's about all I all okay. I really worry about. Um, one thing with mine though is it shows amp hours as opposed to milliamp hours, which is not a big deal, but it's kind of annoying when you have to do conversion by a thousand or whatever. Um, it's a simple enough conversion though. So if it shows that you took one and a half amp hours out of the battery, it's the equivalent of saying fifteen hundred milliamp hours. You just move oh, the decimal yeah. point around. Yeah. Um, it would be nice for everything that was kind of listed in the same same base number, but well, but why would they do that? That would make things too easy. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. <laughs> so Adam, thanks for uh, thanks for writing in. Um, hopefully. That has given a little bit of clarification, uh, a little guidance on watt meters. Yeah, I feel like I'm stuff. rambling more. Like I can't, like I cannot physically, like, I don't know. I can't make a sentence. It's 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 weird. You just made a sentence. See, you're fine. <laughs> it took me a year to do it. <laughs> All right. So next, oh. uh, Jim Noble, he says, uh, good day, gentlemen. Well, he starts off with gentlemen. So I this said is, good day. Uh I recently started to listen to your podcast. Great job, by the way. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, I'm in the process of 3D printing my first RC aircraft. Uh, where would you recommend purchasing the electrical parts? I live on the east coast of Canada. Eh? Canada, eh? And we are very short on hobby shops. Uh, second question, what brand of transmitters, uh, six channel, would you recommend? Uh, I don't need top of the line. Hey, this kind of goes back to the <laughs> yeah, last episode there. Uh, I don't need top of the line, but uh, more of a budget one that can have a few models on it. Man, have we got the transmitter for you. <laughs> uh, thanks and keep up the great work. Jim Noble. Jim, thanks for thanks for asking. Uh, I, I'll take the six-channel transmitter here real quick. Uh, get yourself a FlySky FS6i. Uh, uh, we just gave one away on the show a month or so ago. 6i or i6? I never remember FS that. FS i6, you're right. Okay. Yeah, FS i6. Anyway. Either way, uh, one Amazon, of the two. like 58 bucks or something like that. They might be cheaper now. I don't I don't, I haven't I don't remember. Um, but it was a very, very capable radio. Six channels, had three model memory. Um, I mean, for the money, uh, to get into the hobby, in my opinion, you can't go wrong. Uh, so look into that. Um, and I think... You can actually get receivers for that now separately. Because I think at the time you had to, no, you could get receivers. That's right. You could get them on Amazon. I think they were like eight bucks, eight or 13. Yeah, it was they were really, really, ridiculously really cheap. So, um, and so there you go. That is also where I would go for electronic parts. Oh, really? And okay. well, if you don't have anything close. Oh, for and the you 3D printing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, no, for like, for airplane oh, for electronic just anything. parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you can't get anything like actually in town or close like that, like for us, we don't have a hobby shop near us. It's a two and a half hour drive to get up there. Yeah. Unfortunately, I get a lot of stuff from Amazon. Yeah. You can do Amazon. Hobby King has some good stuff too. If you don't mind waiting forever to get it, that's yeah, the thing I don't like about them. Yeah. Well, um, you have to be careful. Hobby King has two warehouses. Oh, that is such a pain. They ship from the U.S., which I think is in Ontario, California, and then there's one in China. I'm yeah, assuming. somewhere. Um, so make sure when you're shopping on Hobby King, you know, if you're in the U.S. or if you want it shipped from the U.S., make sure you click on that U.S. warehouse link. And even then, there are times it will pull things it up takes, from the yeah. international know, warehouses, what they call it. Yeah, and I, uh, 
when you're trying to combine shipping and figure all that yes. stuff out, it gets yeah. it gets confusing. Right. Uh, eBay is also. A I think place, there's a way on Hobby King where you can only see what's in the U.S. warehouse too. I know I've clicked that before, and it will still unfortunately give me stuff from the international really? warehouse. Yeah, well, that's annoying. It was with covering when I was looking for covering a year ago. Hmm, that's annoying because I thought I was getting everything. I thought I had it all perfect, and it said in stock, in stock, in stock. And I clicked checkout, and it said these are not shipping from the same location. Even though I told it U.S. warehouse only, okay, well, and then sorry. it gave me problems that it was out in the United States warehouse and blah 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 blah. Right, blah. so, so three anyway. D printing. This is all you. Well, Ron, not necessarily. I mean, it is about making the plane, but if he's trying to get electronics for it, that's the same place for it. Um, what did you read it differently? I did. I mean, oh no, I, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I read he's that already totally. got the airplane he's already, and got it printed. Well, yeah, well, he obviously already has a 3D printing machine too. Yeah. I thought he was talking about like the parts to build a 3D printing machine, but no, he already oh, has that. No, okay, I didn't okay. read it. That's why I was no, confused no, by why you took yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> Amazon is a Amazon is a is a great resource for, yeah. for all the electrical parts. And if you're printing a plane, 3D printing a plane, I'm assuming it's not huge, right? Because that would take forever. Um, <laughs> So Amazon has a kit that I bought several months ago that had, uh, it was a 2212, I think 1400 kV brushless motor, uh, 30 amp ESC and two uh, nine gram servos, two propellers. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. Yeah. And it was about 20 bucks. 20 bucks. bucks. I know. Crazy. I actually, I bought three of those. And they actually work really well. We fly them in the sandpipers. Now you might not... Trust the servos on a plane that you've 3D printed? Yeah. Because that takes hours. Like, I know 3D printers take forever to print. Um, so you might not trust that with those. Like, we did it on a foamy that, you know, if you crash it, you're 10 minutes and you have another one cut out and right, made, so I right. don't care. Um, but motor and speed control and propellers, that's still a heck of a good buy. Yeah. So, so there you go, Jim. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening in. Yeah, uh, look for online and question and yeah. I Amazon don't know how and, uh, Hobby King. Those are the be the two sources we would probably recommend. Yeah, I don't know how stuff works in Canada with import fees or duties or yeah, what, but yeah, you have to probably pay can, attention to the to the small print. Yeah, you could also <laughs> shop online at hobby shops if you can find any that way too. So oh, that's true. Yeah, if you're looking for something yeah. specific. Yeah, well, and that's that's a good point. Um, there are a lot of, uh, I don't know if I'd say a lot, but there are hobby shops out there that specialize in, say, one brand or one type or whatever. So if there's something specific that you're looking at, you know, a Google search will usually bring those hobby shops to the surface. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a couple of hobby shops that I deal with out in um, Oregon and Washington State uh, that I get really? my YS parts from. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. All Next right. is uh, from... Uh, Ron, is that uh, that's from Ron? Ron, that's all it says. All from right. Ron. So Ron emailed us. He Not says, me, Ron. Uh, Ron and Tom. Uh, my third plane was a GWS Formosa, a little foamy pattern plane. Uh, after it crashed, too serious to fix. I ordered a replacement, which I finished last year, but have not yet flown. Uh, I'm making the conversion from 72 megahertz to 2.4. Hey, that kind of ties into to our <laughs> yes, other Yes, it episode. does. Uh, so I've just reconfigured it with a Spectrum NX8. Outstanding. So nice, very nice new yes, radio. Yes, I love that. Uh, a bit of a learning curve here. Thankful for YouTube videos. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the Spectrum manual pales in comparison to my high-tech Optic 6 manual. You know, uh, Ron, in this case, 
<laughs> the uh, I, I could not agree with you more. Yeah, the Spectrum manuals are really not. They leave a lot to be desired. user friendly. Like I mean, when they, we were out of the field uh, yesterday flying. I had to get online and download the manual for yours to try and figure out <laughs> to how. To figure out why I couldn't get my flap to work. Yeah. 350 some odd page manual. Yeah. And it still was, yeah. I like I could not figure through, you couldn't follow yeah. along in there yeah. step by step to get to what you had to do. Yeah. So Ron, I, f- I feel your pain on the on the Spectrum manuals. Um, unfortunately, the, my only advice on, on that would be... Uh, uh, just uh, just work through it. Plug through Keyword, it. Keyword like out, yeah. like what I would do. Like on my laptop, I would download the PDF manual and then Control F. If you're familiar with that function, it's a find function. So if you're looking for, let's say, flap, you can do that. On <laughs> Control your phone F and then flap and then yeah, you can. Because that's what I ended up doing when it pulled up the PDF. There's oh, nice. a nice little search thing. So I was like, all right, <laughs> that's exactly flaps okay. is what I looked for, and I think there was 35 results. Right. Uh, so Ron goes on to say, he says, uh, one modification I made was to replace the single aileron, excuse me, the single aileron servo with two uh, to allow for aileron differential and flap rounds. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than once on landings, I stalled and dropped a wing, so I like the idea of flaps. I agree. Uh, I like flaps too. They're fun to play with. Uh, for aileron differential, I started with 15% and could hardly see a difference, so I upped it to 40%. And now, on high rates, I have 22 degrees of up and 15 degrees of down. Uh, for flaperons, I have minus 20 and minus 30%, uh, respectively, uh, which you can see in the pictures below. He sent us some pictures. Uh, what do you think? Good starting points. Uh, good starting points. Well, I don't know what's the matter with me tonight. Uh, I plan to add elevator mix to the flaps once I see if it balloons or not. Uh, Ron. All right. So, yeah. Uh, differential. So, I'll start with differential aileron. Well, hold on. I want to ask. Okay. I'm going to take Go it ahead. a different way. Okay. Flaperons. Mm-hmm. So, are flaperons helpful if you have strip ailerons versus the ailerons that are out on the wingtips? Wouldn't you want, like, shouldn't flaps be more central to the airplane? Or does it matter? <laughs> Okay, so if you ask five people that question, you'll probably get five different answers. Okay. Right? Uh, trial and error. Okay. So on some airplanes, I like flaperons to play with. Like, for instance, on the stick, I have them set up on the, on the stick, and they're fun to play with. And but they, those, are, those are full wing Those are full ailerons. length strip. Yep. Okay. Um, and those are fun to play with. Uh, I don't really have any adverse effects from you uh, from using them. In fact, I have no trim uh, or mixing setup so that when I drop the flaperons, I don't have to add any weird elevator mix or mm-hmm. anything like that to keep it from ballooning. Which is surprising, um, actually. But on my contender, which I flew yesterday uh, with the engine trouble, which maybe we'll talk about someday in another episode. Yeah. Um, but it has a big center flap, and then it has two ailerons that are outboard of that flap, but they're tapered. Right, so the the ailerons are thicker on the inboard end of them, and then they taper out because the wing kind of has a tapered uh, it's shape, an odd to shape to it. Yeah, um, so that the ailerons are are very 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 small cross sectionally at the end of them, like out by the wingtip. And I actually have flaperon dialed into that, and it makes it it, it makes the really? airplane do some really weird things when I drop the flaperon 
It's not set up now because I didn't set it up on the. On the oh, okay. I was gonna say I didn't notice that go down when you're playing. That's but, why. Then. But on the old DX8, I have it. I have actually two switches. I have a flap switch where I can drop that big center flap, and then I have another switch, a three position, I think it is, that I can drop the ailerons or droop the ailerons as if they were flaps, but then still still also get. But it does weird, so I never use it. That's why I didn't really bother setting it up on the other transmitter because it does such weird things with with elevator trim. Like what's it do? As, it if, as, as I recall, when I drop the flap rons, I lose a lot of my aileron authority, so it doesn't roll very well. Because remember, like I said, the ailerons are very, very thin. Yeah. And when do we use flaps? Usually at lower Low air speeds. speeds. So there's not a lot of air moving over those small ailerons. So I do lose a lot of roll control authority, mm-hmm. at, especially when I have those things dropped. But it does really, really float. And then I think it balloons big time when I drop that. But it's weird. When I drop that big center flap, it doesn't do any of that. It just goes straight. It just slows down. That's weird. It is. And weird. that's a big, like... Yeah, it's like a barn door. It almost that, looks like a, a break. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, yeah. the, the but, shape uh, of it and stuff. Yeah. So, um, t- but yeah, to answer your question... Uh, My question. Your question, yeah. Uh, Not his yet. The... It's just you just have to trial and error. Start with you know, start small with Flapron until you get you know used to its characteristics when you drop it and, and start high up. Yeah, yeah. Speaking Altitude of mistakes, your high friend. a couple yeah, exactly. episodes a couple ago. High. Start high so you can All figure right. it out. So Ron's questions here. Uh, so he he talks about aileron differential and his Flaprons and uh, uh, if I thought they were good starting points. So looking at his pictures, um, yeah. I think so. A usually differential aileron, um, way, 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 I'm going to date myself again. I'm way back in the day before <laughs> computer mixing and all that stuff, we used a big round servo wheel on top of our servo. And instead of mounting the control, uh, the push rods in line with the output shaft, we would mount them up or down so that when the, when the wheel moved, it would give you that differential throw. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah, I gotcha. So mechanically, we always went uh, with more up than down. And the thought was, at least back then, differential aileron would... would so the act of an aileron dropping down into the slipstream as opposed to uh, moving up into the slipstream, down seemed to cause more drag, and it would tend to... Um, Instead of creating more lift, it would create a lot of drag with that lift. So what it would do is it would it would roll the airplane, f- sure enough, but it would also sort of want to drag it. So we would always have to add some sort of, you know, manually, we'd have to do it with our thumbs, we'd have to add a little bit of anti, what I would call anti-rudder. So if we were making a left rolling turn, you would roll to the left, but because of the drag on that down facing uh, control surface. It would want to roll sort of the airplane the opposite direction. So we would anti-roll it with the rudder to try to... So it was a lot of stuff going on with the sticks. And if you weren't really talented, which I wasn't, um, we would just mechanically change that so that we got more, uh, like like he's talking about here, more up than down. So we didn't get a lot of that drag. We took a lot of that drag out of it, but we still got the roll authority with the other one that was moving up. Does that make sense? No, I understand. So like, has that been designed out of airplanes now? Or, because that, that doesn't seem to be a thing I've dealt with, with yeah, airplanes. Yeah, it seems, yeah, I think so. I think it's probably more to do with um, like the, like the, 
the slower like trainer type airplanes or maybe airplanes that are designed to maybe uh, fly a little bit slower um, seem to be affected by it more than like the really aerobatic airplanes. But the airplane he's talking about is a Formosa. Um, I'm familiar with that airplane. I actually had one of those. Uh, of course you quite did. A few years. Well, it's a foamy. It's a foamy electric, which <laughs> really? should surprise you. Um, and they were they were they were kind of quirky little little buggers. They would uh, they would do that weird. You know, you'd roll them over to the left, and they would want to sort of kind turn of up. turn up. And yeah, the differential aileron, which we did in the computer radios, just like just like he described. I can't remember what the numbers were, but yeah, I always had more up than down. On the on the ailerons, which you know it's fine, you can do that easily enough <clears throat> with endpoints on on a single surface. But when you have two opposing surfaces, it takes computer missing and or computer mixing. Excuse <laughs> me. And uh, yeah, Ron has it figured out here. Um, and then for flaperons, um, yeah, I I would start. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna play with those in flight, I would start with the with the minus 20% first <laughs> and see how that does. And give yourself like like we've said before, a couple mistakes high. Yeah. Before you go trying it. But yeah, I think I think your setup looks pretty good and um I wouldn't be afraid to try it. Fun. Next, I'm gonna let you read this one too, because <laughs> my nose is getting right. runnier and her okay. and her so this one came to us from the Contact Us form on the website. Uh, it's from Mike Amsbaugh. He says, uh, I'm a retread. Uh, retread is in quotes here. So I'm a retread in RC planes, having uh, been born with a natural passion while growing up in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, I owned probably every Cox control line they, they made and even experimented with some early electric RC toys. Uh, I also built some rather complex balsa models, but none were RC. Uh, then, you know, we all know the story. Then life happened. <laughs> uh -huh. Had a 20-year career in the military. Thank you for your service. I mm -hmm. uh, appreciate that. And also recently entered semi-retirement from my civilian job. He says, I finally got some spare time and three exclamation points. <laughs> uh, so in my mid-50s, I've re-entered the hobby in a big way. I have four foam electrics and one balsa model. Uh, that he hasn't built yet, uh, with a nitro motor ready to install. As a newbie trying to catch up, uh, I'm like a sponge trying to soak up as much RC information as possible. And that led me to you guys and your great pod, great podcast, he says. <laughs> <clears throat> I've been meaning to drop you guys a line, but never felt I had much to say until yesterday. That's when I listened to episode 70. Wow, he says. <laughs> Both of you showed a level of humbleness and willingness to adjust to your listeners' wants. That's refreshing and appreciated. Uh, then the episode proceeded with a Q&A to listener letters. Double wow. Uh, this was like <laughs> drinking water from the proverbial proverbial technical RC fire hose. Uh, I'm reluctant to say, but the pace was probably too fast for me to intake. But that assures that I'll be listening to this episode multiple times. Uh, if you can uh, capture the intensity of covering so much technical information in such a condensed time frame and while keeping the presentation interesting, that is a winning combination. Uh, I will be back and certainly look forward to drinking from the RC Fire Hose. Mike Amsball. That's a nice message. I love messages like that. Yeah, I admit, I, I, I don't usually like having people say we do a good job. It makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, but th that one felt good. You know, it's... I, I like getting messages like those because it's always hard to tell if we're meeting our listeners' expectations. Yeah. Um, and feedback like that, and negative also, yeah. really helps us know yep. 
kind of what direction to go in the future. Yeah. Um, we do take feedback seriously. Absolutely, we do. Because without feedback, we don't know if we're doing things right. Yeah, we're not growing unless we unless we incorporate what we get in the feedback. Yeah. So, because uh, I'm not a genius about this, you're not I'm a know-it-all about not. this. So, nope. people want different things, <clears throat> and you know, we kind of go by what people tell us they want to hear. Yeah. So we, we thank you for the feedback. We appreciate yeah. it. Mike, um, thank you. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to uh, out of your day to to send that to us. Mm-hmm. It's very, very much appreciated. I think that was the episode where we announced we were not going to do YouTube videos anymore for the podcast. Was that 70? I think so. Like, I could be oh, wrong, be. but yeah. it was about that time. Yeah, okay. And that, wow, has that made it easier on me? Yeah, yeah, you I especially mean, with, the, yeah. with the editing and stuff. Yeah, yeah which reminds me, we should probably put something together soon to put out there on YouTube. It's yeah, it's, it's been so... It's <clears throat> we do just, have ideas and we have things... I know, we don't have time. time. And I All feel right. like... And, you know, he's he's talking about how good of a, a job we do on questions and all that stuff, and it's funny that we're back on questions now. <laughs> yeah. um, I still like. I'm sorry. I don't feel like I'm at a hundred percent like doing my bestest. So if I if I'm dragging out more, I'm still not quite feeling a hundred percent. So oh, sorry about mean, that. Oh, I, got, I, I follow we'll, what you're we'll, saying. We'll get better hopefully next. Well, time. I think you're doing fine. Okay. So thank yeah. you. Thank <clears> you for the positive reinforcement. Okay, you're welcome. The proverbial pat on the back. Proverbial. Another proverbial. That's hard <laughs> I like to say. that word. All right. So the next one is from Liam. He says, uh, hey, guys, Liam here. It's been too long since I sent in something. Uh, recently was at my local airport volunteering. Hey, thanks for volunteering mm-hmm. uh, with a medical helicopter. Uh, I'm sorry, when a medical helicopter came in for fuel. Uh, instead of the, the chopper stopping his rotors, the owner of the airport ran up and hot fueled it, in quotes. Uh, after seeing this, I wondered if y'all have ever uh, hot fueled your RC airplanes. Uh, also, have y'all ever flown FPV? Uh, that's first person view, I believe. <laughs> FPV. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been dipping into it a little bit, and it's thrilling. He says. Uh, he says, "Keep up the great show, Liam." Thanks, Liam. Good questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to start with FPV. <clears throat> okay. Because that's actually a, a very common theme that we get with our our listener. Uh, uh, feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, people want to see episodes done on FPV. I like FPV. I think FPV would be awesome, but I cannot do FPV. Like I get so motion sick yeah. so quickly that I cannot, like I physically just cannot do it. Like my kids got a, 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 a virtual reality thing. Mm-hmm. I love playing some of the games in there. But they have to be like sitting in a chair and not moving, where everything is moving around you. But as soon as like the movement starts, which would be exactly how it would be flying FPV in an airplane, mm-hmm. you move very fast. Mm-hmm. It just it makes me nauseous instantly, and I just yeah. I don't know if it's I'm getting too old for it or yeah. if so, it's just motion <clears throat> sickness that I can't handle to begin with. But it's weird. So I have no problems riding in a car with someone else driving. I have no problems riding in the backseat. I have no problems riding on a boat, in an airplane, any of that. I have yep. no, like even roller coasters at my age is no problem. But uh, our friend Bob, uh, let me, this has been a while back, let me put on his goggles and try to fly one of his airplanes. And I made it about a minute and a half before I felt really? like nauseous. Same yeah. thing you described, you know, almost like a vertigo. 
Um, maybe that's it. That maybe that's a better definition. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, FPV. It's it's very like especially like some of these guys that put on the goggles and race the and I, and you know I I'm not a big drone fan, <laughs> but these guys that race these drones like uh-huh. in races and stuff and some of the footage they get, it's incredible. It is. And I'm sure that's what Liam something and like that is probably what Liam is talking about. I can only watch that for a few seconds at a time. Same thing. Yeah. Like I I, I just it just. I don't know what it is. It's something my brain doesn't like it. Yeah. Um, so and the, the FPV is cool. We've tried it. Uh, I haven't. Neither, neither one of us. Like I actually haven't tried FPV. Oh, you haven't tried it? No. Oh, I actually tried it. And yeah. It did. It, it made me very queasy. I um, know it would just based Bob, on how. Bob has no problem at all with it. Like yeah, he can, different people can yeah. handle it. Yeah. And it's what's really frustrating about it, though, is it's not just a sickness that ends when you take it off. No. Like no, it, it will ruin the rest of my day. Oh, and uh, that wasn't my experience. It, it, I mean, it didn't end like as soon as I took the goggles off, but within about, you know, 15 minutes or so, I was oh, fine no. again. Oh, really? Like I, I've done it on, like I said, on the VR, which yeah. is the only thing I have to compare FPV to. Yeah. And it was hours later, I still had a headache. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah, that really. That's so that's why I'm scared really <laughs> yeah. to try the FPV anyway. I don't blame anyway, you. Uh, it's well, just... you shouldn't do it unless you have somebody, you know, a spotter right next well, to you. Well, which I'd have you. Right. But so, there you go. I don't, I just can't do it. Yeah. All right. So hot fueling. Um, hot refueling. That sounds say. interesting, but I don't see a reason for. It sounds dangerous for yeah, airplanes. So, so for airplanes or helicopters, uh, in the case that uh, Liam witnessed here, um, on the RC, RC is on the I, RC, yeah. Yeah, yeah, on the RC side, I I personally don't uh, I don't really see a need for it. I mean, I guess it'd be kind of cool, but I actually kind of look forward to those little breaks. You know, when I'm, when I'm done flying, I land, shut everything off, and then, you know, listen to the to the peanut gallery, you know, critique my landings <laughs> or, or whatever. You know, the the camaraderie that kind of goes along with. It. I I uh-huh. enjoy the the downtime, if you will. I just so I don't mind. And honestly, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. You know, coming in hot fueling and going right back up, I'm not really sure that uh, that I need that kind of flight time. <laughs> and maybe there's some sort of racing or something. That would require that, well, perhaps, but I was nothing gonna, I'm familiar with. Yeah, I was going to, you know, we're talking about RC airplanes because this is an RC airplane podcast. It is. Um, but way back in the day when I used to race RC cars, yeah, we would we would hot fuel them. You know, yeah. run into the pit, you know, gas them up but, real quick with the fuel gun while it's running and then out we go. There's no really fast spinning propeller on there no, at the exactly. front of it, though. That's what I was kind of getting at. There's, Sorry there's to really, steal your thunder. There's really, no, that's okay. There's really <laughs> not a lot of danger involved when you're doing it, you know, with a with an RC car. But yeah, yeah, like you said, with an airplane, you've got this spinning prop up there and the muffler hanging out on the side, which is usually pretty warm. Yeah. Um, By that so, time, it's burnable. Um, yeah, I don't really see the need, but uh, I can... I, I mean, I could see a couple of different ways that it could probably be done. Yeah. You know, the Traxxas fuel tanks have those snap open lids. You could probably incorporate something like that in a hatch or something like that if you really felt a need for it. But I don't. I don't feel a need for it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting, mm-hmm. interesting uh, take on that. But thanks for the message. Yeah, Liam, thanks for uh, writing to us again. Uh, that's one of our uh, one of our regulars, or used to be a regular. Uh, it was good to hear from him again. Mm-hmm. All right, so this next one, are you, if you feel comfortable taking this one? Are you still okay? Would you like me to read this one too? Go ahead and do it. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so this next one was an email. It came from Frank. And uh, Frank says, hi, Ron. Hi, Tom. Love the podcast. Thank you. Um, I have a question about charging lipos. Uh, I use the pigtails that have all the different charging leads on my two-port charger. Um, I accidentally plugged a second battery 
into a charge port that was already in use, thinking it was plugged into the second port. Uh, how do you keep the charger leads separate? Thanks, Frank. It's a good question. Well, it is, uh, Frank. Um, I'm assuming what you're talking about is you. He's talking about a two-port charger, so it's a charger that has two. It's basically They'll like charge two, two chargers, batteries. yeah, like yeah. two chargers in once, right, mm -hmm. or in one. Um, so he's got two outputs, and then on each output he has what I call them an octopus or a squid or whatever. But it's one of those things that plugs into your charger, and then the other end has five or six different types a of plugs on it. Ton of them. Yeah. So you can you know you can charge different. Types of uh, maybe well yeah types of batteries with different types of plugs. It's just convenient. Yeah. Right? Uh, so it'll have like a Dean's on it. It'll have a, right. an XT60. It'll have a charging lead for maybe a uh, like a GS or a JST. Yeah, like a um, yeah. Mm -hmm. charging a, a lipo starter, a nice starter. Yeah, exactly. Try to think what else because there's usually more of them on there than that. Oh, there's mine. Mine oh, has an EC3. Yeah, mine has a Dean's an EC3. It has a Tamiya, an old Tamiya style oh, plug. Yeah. It has a JST. It has. Uh, uh, did I say ES? Did I say EC3? Already? I said them, but EC3. Mine has one of those on it. Um, it. Has two blank leads on it that you can put your own connector on. It, yeah. So, you know, and and what we do is we we plug one of these into each port on the charger, and then we can charge two different types of batteries simultaneously. And what I'm assuming Frank has done here, he's had a battery, let's say in port number one or port A or whatever. He's had a battery cooking on that one, and he's got, let's say, another battery cooking on the other one, and he's taken maybe the battery that he had on one, maybe it's laying over to the side and you don't really see it or notice it or whatever, and he's taken another battery with a different type of plug, obviously, and plugged it into that octopus or that charge lead adapter thing while the other battery is cooking on that same thing. I'm assuming that's what he did. So I, I took it as he had a battery charging, Mm -hmm. And then he had another one he was putting on, and he plugged it. Let's say he's charging a Dean's, mm -hmm. and then he had an XT60 mm -hmm. that he was going to plug in, you know, a different type of battery. Mm -hmm. Instead of plugging it into the XT60 port on number two, he plugged it in on the one that already had a battery into it. Okay. I mean, is that what same, you were saying? Yeah, same, same okay. basic. Yeah. Gotcha. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Just want to be clear. Um, yeah. So, and his question is, how how do you keep the charger leads separate? So, like you don't you don't use them. I do not, and mostly for that reason hmm. because I first off that's too many wires just sitting there. It like makes me physically uncomfortable just seeing the the mess of wires. Like I, I don't like looking at that. Um, I also have concerns with shorting out charging leads. Mm -hmm. Like if you're charging uh, like a Dean's, let's just say a Dean's mm -hmm. that has the male part sticks out, and you have a hot. Mm -hmm. lead sticking out. Same yeah. if you have the nice starter lead and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. There's just too many, in my opinion, opportunities to short something out when you have a battery on. So so every squid that I'm charging leads, I'm just going to call them squids from here on out because okay. that's what I call them. Um, so every squid that I've ever, well, not everyone, but the ones <laughs> I've purchased recently, like in the last few years, have protections like in place. So like on the Dean's plug, it has a cap that goes over the exposed oh, really? terminals when you're not using it. Um, the the glow heater, nice starter lead, it has a rubber sleeve that w if you pull down on it, will pull it down and completely cover the actual metallic contacts that, okay. the, that well, the glow heater goes down on. Okay. And then 
And then all the rest of the plugs have sort of built-in protections. Like they don't have exposed pins. Well, they're or, still exposed if something gets... But I, I, I see what you're saying. You know they're saying? not so, as exposed. So they're not going to just short out laying on my workbench. Okay. But, okay. Well, and I guess I didn't realize that. The, the couple yeah. I've seen hanging in different hobby shops throughout the years that I've paid attention but not paid attention mm -hmm. have had bare leads sticking out. And that's just what's given me that impression. Oh. I can see why that would make you nervous. Yeah, so I didn't. I didn't realize that was a, a thing yeah. with with the plugs on it. Yeah, like um, I said, you know, maybe maybe the older ones, you know, and and there's different brands, right? So yeah, that the could ones be too. the ones that I have, I think I bought down at uh, Hobby Shop down in St. Louis um, a while back. Yeah, but they have, you know, it has a cap on the Dean's plug, and then the the pull down rubber sleeve thing that goes over the nice starter lead, and then the other plugs are all sort of built in have built-in protection. See, I guess I don't mind just having different, you know, charging leads that you plug in when you need to do one. It, that doesn't bother me having an extra one sitting around. I mean, I have those too. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really mean personally, I, I like the convenience of not having to have, you know, five different types of charge leads if I can just have one. Yeah, it's only I one I have that. to keep track of. I fold it up, I keep it in the little bag, and it's always there. I'm not trying to. Well, where did I put that? Where did I put that JST lead? Where did yeah. I use that last? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. And here's another thing: if you happen to, let's say, you have your JST lead plugged into your nickel metal hydride battery uh, charge receptacle on your airplane, right? And you unplug the thing from the charger. Well, now you have two of these. You know, banana plugs, that's what they're called, yeah. banana plugs that have a battery hooked onto the other one. Now these things can be shorted out. So, I mean, you uh, know. I mean, sure, I guess, but I, I've not ever done that. Well, no, I've probably no one has done that, but it, I mean, oh, it, I could be, be so it could sure. be done, right? Yeah, so, I mean, I gotcha. you can protect, you can design protections in and people will find a way to get around them. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, okay. I can see that. You know what I'm saying? But I just, so, I prefer I just to like have the, the cleanliness of not having so many that I get different too. wires hanging yeah. out. Um, but he asks, how do you keep the charger leads separate? Mm -hmm. Do you, I mean, is yours I, on I a single port? I don't find a need to. I have a, I have a high tech. Uh, uh, Multi-port? It's a two port, I think. Okay. X2. So. Yeah. So it's a two port charger and I, I. I have never had a need to keep the leads. You kind of keep they're kind of kept separate enough yeah, like just by so. where they're plugged in. Yeah. And now does yours does the port come off of the same side of the charger? What do you mean? So like on, yeah, both I, I've ports seen, come off the front of the charger. Okay, I was gonna say but, I've seen some to where the ports are on oh, opposite, on opposite sides, sides of the charger. Oh, I gotcha. And I've seen others where they all yeah. come out of the same side. Yep. Mine all come out of the front. Okay. Yep. Well. I, I guess if you need to separate them, just use different colored tape maybe on, oh, on you could one, do it that like way. yellow yeah. electrical tape. Because I know you can get a bunch of different colors of electrical tape. Yeah. You could wrap everything up. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that would be one way. Or just uh, just be careful. You know, just yeah. uh, maybe, uh, you know, if you're going to charge two batteries, just lay the batteries in front of the charger in front of the ports so you know which one's going to which port maybe. And don't hide the battery. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't kind of. And if you're charging lipos, they, you should be charging them in a bag or a case. So, you know, maybe run that set of leads into the case with the battery. That way, you know, hey, this lead that's is already here taken with this up. Battery. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. So, you know, that's one one. Okay, way. well, that's so one way to do it. Lots of ways to skin that cat. <laughs> do people skin cats anymore? I, I don't hope know. they never did. That's kind of gross. It is. All right. So, you want me to take this one too? 
Oh, uh, yeah, that's fine. I, well, I mean, this is yours. Well, it's to me, so act like you're answering or asking it, like you're the right. person. Okay, so <laughs> I texted us and didn't tell <laughs> us my name, but okay. I said someone texted us and didn't say the name. Okay, <laughs> he says or she. Uh, hi, Ron. Oh, hi, Ron. He- hello. Okay. Sorry. Any update on your balsa order? Are you going to say on the podcast who you've placed your order through? Uh, I personally have an order through Boss Balsa, and I'm dealing with the same issues you are. Yeah, I mean, no name with this one. Yeah, really, honestly, this came as a text. That's with no name. That's it. I mean, it's that's that's who we're using. We're using Boss Balsa. That's the one. Um, Well, you, I haven't used it yet. I have a credit. Well, you're trying. You've you've given them a ton of money. I haven't. I haven't actually placed. Well, I can't place right now. No, you can't place an order, but you, they have your money. They do. Um, so anyway, I, I have not had any updates yet from them. Um, the last time I got any information out of them, uh, was on, I don't remember the exact date. It was in June. Wow. So it's been a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and they told me that my order would ship that week, three months ago. And it obviously hasn't. So, yeah. and no replies to no to replies. Emails. I've emailed. I've done the contact us form through the website. I have sent them more messages through the the Facebook Voicemail. Messenger. Oh, Facebook, and yeah. I got nothing. Nothing so. on Facebook either, huh? No, Facebook Messenger is ghosted. Oh, that's, also, that's unfortunate. So hopefully, it will happen soon because yeah. this really is kind of like pushing off working on things. But it's getting to a point like because, yeah, here pretty soon we're going to be out of the flying season and into the building season. And we have some really, well, a <laughs> really big really project big we need project to do. that yeah. we're going to work on and uh, here pretty quick. Yeah. And also very soon I'll be needing to place my order as well. Which I don't even know if you can. And I can't even. Like yeah. He's not even accepting orders right now. So there I'm we not go. panicking yet no, because really, I haven't placed. I mean, I I've feel- spent the money. I was gonna say, yeah, Kinda. you should be panicking more than I am, but I'm 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 less panicked than I really thought I would be. Yeah. Because I still for some reason have it in my mind that, you know, this is a reputable business. This I understand it things happen. Is. But what I do not appreciate is the no communication. Yeah. Honestly, tell me, hey, I'm backed up, sorry. Orders are going to ship in three months. Cool, that sucks, but at least I know something's happening. Right. Don't tell me, yeah, it's going to ship this week, and then have it not ship. Right, but that's just my personal. No, I don't. I don't think that's too much to expect. And we've, you know, we've beat this 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 horse. This horse is dead. Yeah, but this we beat this to horse death. is unfortunately getting decayed, and it's getting worse and worse. And no. I still don't have my balls to order. That's yeah. Anyway, all right. So final one of the episode. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know why you looked at me. Well, I just wanted to see if you wanted me to to read this one. Yeah, I really don't want to talk. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So this one comes to us from Steve. Uh, No last name. He says, uh, Steve asks, how often do you guys change or charge your transmitter batteries? Oh, that's actually not a a good question. question. Um, So me personally, uh, I charge mine every time I, the transmitter battery now, uh, I charge it every time I go fly, usually the night before. Do you? I do. Interesting. Um, even though like my new radio, the iX12, it's it doesn't really seem to use actually a lot of battery when I when I you know, like yesterday when we flew it didn't. Every time. I do. Okay. Uh, it's I think it's probably something that's 
a holdover from years ago. Yeah. Uh, when we were using the big, you know, the brick style uh, NICAD 9.6 volt, I think they were in the transmitters and, you know, that we were producing a lot of power with a lot of spillage and um, on the on the frequency anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's just a, in, in my head, that's a whole, you probably don't need to do that these days because the 2.4 stuff is so efficient. It really is. It doesn't seem to use up a lot of power. Well, okay. Then I guess this is my confession time. So my transmitter came with the NIMH, mm-hmm. the 2000 milliamp hour cell. Um, I replaced that. I think it, it's with a life battery, I think is what it was, um, on my display, it tells me the voltage. Mm-hmm. So I know every time what my voltage is at. Mm-hmm. I have charged that once this year. Really? Really. Well, to be fair, you haven't flown a lot, but it has been sitting I haven't a flown lot. a lot, but I've flown a decent amount. Well, you've done some setup to, and stuff yeah. like that too with it on. So, so it's not like it hasn't been used. That's something. But yeah, once this year. Yeah. I, and, you know... Same thing. I mean, you know, my DX8 has the same display. Oh, yes. It's um, the same one as I have. And yeah. What about I, your I new ch- one, though? I charge them. It has a... So the the iX12 has like a um, an Android interface. Yeah. So it looks like a cell phone. So it has the battery thing. It doesn't... Oh, no, I take that back. It does actually tell me the voltage. Um, and it's it's never below... I forget what the number is, but it's it's rarely below 90%. Yeah. Whatever that voltage is. Well, and see, is. you got to think too, like when I'm flying, that's the only time mine is on. Mm-hmm. Like you mine don't too. fly. No, you're, I'm well, talking it, about your new one. It's running the operating system, but so it's, it's not still, transmitting. Right. But it's still doing something. Like with well, yours, you said you turn yours on at the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. It takes several minutes to boot up mm-hmm. and then it's on all yeah, day. Yeah. It might the, go to sleep mode, yeah. but the transmitter is technically on using battery the whole day until you turn it off, Yeah, which is different than well, the, what no, I use. I disagree with what, the way you said that. So okay. the transmitter is not on. It's not transmitting. The operating system is on. Much like a cellular phone, but it's not transmitting. What do you receiving. call the box that you hold in your hand that you move? Well, that is a controller. <laughs> you are so <laughs> come on. <laughs> well, any other time since I have met you, that's been your transmitter. You've never called a controller. <laughs> uh, at any rate, um, yeah, just out of habit, I charged the night before. And the reason the night before, um, mm. back in the NICAD days, obviously you charge it the night before that way you have the most available voltage that morning when you go fly. Um, and now, um, I do it the night before because, well, frankly, I would forget to do it probably in the morning. Um, (laughs) but also with, uh, like, so my IX 12 and also my DX eight, those have lithium batteries in them. And as we've discussed before, you don't want to store those things for months on end at a hundred percent. Right. Well, they're not, they're not lipos. Well, they're lithium. They're lithium batteries. It's the same type of chemistry, right? Not quite, but oh, I mean, okay. yes, but not exactly. Well, anyway, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, bad for them to be stored for long periods of time at a hundred percent. Would you agree with that? Ye- well, yes, it will degrade them. So it's I not wait. The, it's not the most opportune thing. I don't to charge do. them after my day of flying because I don't want yeah. them sitting until the next time I fly at a hundred percent. So I let them sit at wherever they happen to be discharged to, and then I charge them the night before. With the thought being, I don't want them sitting around at a hundred percent because that's bad for. Yeah, maybe I get that. 
Um, okay. Well, that's interesting. But as far like as I replacing said, mine's been them, on forever. Uh, so he says, uh, how often do you guys change slash charge? So change. How often do you change your transmitter batteries? That Okay. I don't. I haven't either. However, recently, like, like the, the, the transmitter we gave away ran on double A's. Well, so okay. maybe that's what he's So asking. there's a voltage threshold and then you yeah. would obviously replace them. And so I wouldn't, voltage. I don't know how long a standard double A like Energizer or well, something like that would work. It would, would, depend, would you get, you know, well, yeah, I guess it would depend a lot, but like, I don't know how much more it would take out of a battery like that than what we fly with. Does that make sense? Yeah, probably Probably not much difference, I wouldn't think. Probably not. Um, but in the case of my DX8, uh -huh. it has the battery that came in it. Now, I got it used, but it has the battery that came in it when I got it, which is a lithium ion or, yeah, it would be a lithium ion. And I have not replaced mm. it. No, those came with the NIMH because I I'm, bought mine brand new. I'm not saying they didn't. I'm just saying I bought the transmitter used. And when okay, I got sorry, it, sorry, you said when. Okay, it I understand had now. that battery sure. in it when I got it, and I have not replaced it. I have not replaced mine either. So, and like but, I, I mean, said, it was are... it was a month or so after I got that that I got the updated battery because I didn't want to deal with an IMH, and so it's been eight years now, nine years, whatever yeah. it's been, and it's still working fine. Yeah. Now these are not like high capacity or high discharge, like you know, like a flight battery. We're not like right. abusing these things. So. Probably okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe there's a time limit. Maybe there's an expiration date, but there's not one printed on the battery. No. Uh, and I have no plans for replacing mine anytime soon because it still takes a charge just like yeah. it should. Uh, the voltage is still where it should be, wherever that is. Um, so, yeah, I have no plan. I think it's a single cell, isn't it? Is it? Is that low voltage, isn't it? Mm -hmm. No? I don't DXA? think so. Because I know one of the... I'd have to go look, but it's... I don't think so. I think it's okay. at least a two. Okay. Well... But, yeah. Either way, it doesn't it's still matter. It's still... Well, voltage. no, it has to be because mine says 8.2 volts. Oh, well, there so you go. So that answers that question. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I have not had to replace a lithium battery in my transmitter, but if it's using dry cells, alkaline batteries, yeah, you have to replace those, you know, below that threshold voltage. And if you got a manual with your radio, it'll tell you when you need to replace them. There you go. Read the manual. There you go. So, so all right. So that's cool. it. That was the that was the last one. That's all of them. If anybody else has any questions, please feel free to let yeah. us know. Yeah. There's we many will, ways to contact us. I promise we will get to them eventually. We we do. We 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 do. We honestly we you know if they're questions we get to them. I promise. <laughs> we okay. really do. It just may take us a while. All right. Um. So that's all I got. Yeah, I'm finished. How are you feeling? I'm still, I'm okay. Still, I feel a little cloudy. Yeah. I feel like I sound cloudy too. You sound raspy. Yeah. I hope not you're not coming down way. with something. I hope it's I, not the, con the uh, COVID. The coronavirus. I wanted to say the corona <laughs> and then I wanted to say COVID at the same I'm not, time. I'm not running any temperature. The so Kibana. it's just. There you go. Piper started school again. She's, Can you taste everything? Can you smell okay? Yeah. Is that all? Okay. Yeah. All right. So Piper started school and I think she is maybe bringing some stuff home. Oh, all those little. All the little spreaders. germs of people she's never been yeah. around before. And yeah, so that's right. the price we pay with pre-K. Oh, that yep. rhymed. Nice. Okay. Well, until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Tom. Have a good night. I'll see you later. Yep. Good night. Bye. We hope you
hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.